Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to another episode of the Just Jazz Podcast. Today I am sitting down with a very special guest. He and I went to college together, haven't heard from him in such a long time, and we just had so much fun. This podcast is extremely insightful. One final note, I believe I mentioned this in the podcast, but I'm not quite sure, so I'll say it again. I shot this episode from my home, and I live near an airport, so there are a few times where you will hear an airplane soar by my house. I did my best to edit it, but please bear with me. Things are slowly getting back to normal. I am back in my studio. Okay, enjoy. Okay, hey guys, I am here with my friend Ken Shea. Ken Shea and I went to college together. Uh, we were really tight. We hung out almost every day, and there was just a lot of shenanigans. We had a lot of fun. He and I kind of, we didn't fall out of touch, you know. Life gets busy and he commented on one of my pictures and I said oh my god Ken Shay so I sent him a DM and said text me I don't have your number now I didn't say this through the text because I didn't want that to be the first thing that you remembered me for but when you texted me I'm like oh shit I had his number saved in my phone all along because it came up as Ken Shay and I'm like you're just a terrible person. I ask everybody the same question when we begin. I ask them where they were born and what time they were born. And I've actually had somebody call their mom on the podcast and ask her what time she was born. He was born. And He's like between 35 and 38. <laughs> and don't you know his mom knew? Like right then and there. Where were you born at what time, if you know? I was born at 4.30 in the morning on a Wednesday. Well, I was born at 10.08 a.m. on a Monday. Oh, yes, you know. Where are you from? I am from Long Island, New York. Um, like you said, Jazz, my name is Ken Shea. Um, had the pleasure and honor of meeting you again about, how long ago was that? Oh, Don't tell me, because we're getting so, old. Yeah, we're getting old. <laughs> yeah, um, so happy to be here, happy to talk with you, um, get a chance to dive in a little bit. Um, about my own experiences and things like that. Um, and I'm ready to get started. What was it like growing up? Like, do you, uh, you, you have any siblings? Just give me a quick rundown of your childhood. Born and raised in uh, Long Island, New York. I have two brothers, two older brothers. When I was born, they were already 11 and 9 years old. Oh. Um, so I was definitely the baby of the family. I have to say I, I was blessed to have a nice childhood. Everything... Um, was, was good. I, I was kind of weird growing up too. So <laughs> I never, um, I was literally that kid that you would see in elementary school that would get like the good grades, be like the teacher's pet, like that annoying kid. That's like, oh, oh. why do you have to be that one? I was that kid. I would have definitely um, wanted to pick on you. I was like the only one that was wheelchair in my class, but I was 
definitely like, let's get him. And they're like, why is the kid in the wheelchair so mean? <laughs> yeah, that was um, that was definitely me. That one to have people looking at me like, why, why are you so weird? But it was fine. I mean, I found a group of other weird people like me and we became great friends <laughs> um, to this day. My best friend that I made when I was in kindergarten, we grew up in elementary school all the way up to about fifth or sixth grade. And then in middle schools, we split up and then we met up again in high school. We weren't necessarily best friends, but we were close friends nevertheless and here i am in a couple months future i'm going to be ordaining his wedding in october it's um it's really nice it's look at how life works isn't it amazing it is so amazing and it's something how this friendship between he and i that started in september of 2000 has gotten here and look at us now almost 21 years later Oh my God, that's beautiful. I just want to give a quick side note to anyone. Uh, I live close to an airport and I'm recording this from my home. So if you hear anything, they're planes. Uh, I will do my best to edit them out. But yeah, will you spoil? Because the babies are always spoiled. I would say a little bit. I would say a little bit. It was... But I was, here's the thing. I would say I was spoiled, but I wasn't spoiled rotten. Like right. I wasn't a rotten kid. I wasn't, so I was still very humble, still very thankful. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Um, all of that growing up. Right. I knew how to act around um, other people. But it's funny you say that. I think to myself about how sometimes I can say that I feel sometimes I'm the goosey one out of <laughs> out of my friends sometimes and I I know that so and I'm okay with that. It's so a, it's I not an opinion, that... it's a fact. At least a, <laughs> I mean I can't speak for your other friends, but I know you were the bougie one in our group. So that's I mean, a fact. I, I like what I like. And then when I think why am I like this, I remember how when I was about maybe seven, eight years old I would go to the chiropractor on like a other week on every other week kind of basis or whatever. What? Mind you, what? I had no issues. I was not in any sort of sports. I was not um, in any kind of like physical activity. But why? What? What? What business did I have going to a chiropractor at, at seven or eight? Like your parents allowed this? Yeah, I mean, my mom had her own appointment, and then right after it, I had my own appointment right after hers. And I remember calling him the popcorn doctor because he would make my bones pop. Oh, and I'm not going to lie, that's weird. I I don't think that's bougie. I think, well, it's just weird. I mean, so you went with your mom. That's like Mm -hmm. one thing, maybe something you could do together. But uh, I just think it's amazing that you're doing such an adult thing, but yet your seven-year-old brain is like the popcorn doctor. And I'm like, that yes. exactly a child would do. <laughs> it was great. But, you know, it was fine. Like I said, I didn't do a lot of physical stuff growing up either. I was, I so <laughs> I did soccer growing up for like maybe a year. Now, if you were to ask me right now, I would have said that, oh, yeah, I did soccer. Um, I enjoyed it, things like that. 
But when you ask people like my parents and my family, they're like, Kensha, you hated it. And I'm like, what do you mean I hate it? I didn't, I didn't hate it. And apparently, I did not want to be running around on the field in the hot sun, going back and forth, and I just wasn't having it. I mean, Ken Shea was being born. Like, the personality was there. <laughs> because if I, if you would have told me you used to play soccer, I would have been like, you don't have to impress us, my friend. Just, you know, it's fine. Like, I've never played a sport in my life either. It's fine. I mean, I guess your parents wanted you to be exposed to everything, right? Exactly. That's all it was. It was just common exposure to everything. And I mean, I wasn't the one that was always sitting out on the, um, like I, I participated in stuff. I remember growing up in like gym class and like the stuff like that. I enjoyed, I loved playing dodgeball, kickball, like all that kind of stuff, that kind of interaction. So I definitely got my physical activity in. Um, it was indoors. Say that again. It was indoors. Yeah, they That's were indoors. It, there in it is. Comfort. I never was a huge outdoorsy person. It's okay. Not my cup of tea. Not even for like a picnic. Not necessarily. I mean, I can do it in the comfort of my own home where I can take care of the temperature of how I want. There's nothing flying in my food. Oh. There's no dirt. I'm not getting all dirty. Like, it's just... You're one of those people. You were a humble kid, as you say. You um, you grew up. You had a great childhood. Why don't we get into uh, like what you were into? Because I know you were involved in church choir. I just found out this guy plays the piano. How did we go a whole like a year or two not knowing you could play? And we were in choir, and you never volunteered. Like, why? Tell us about what it was like growing up in the church. So growing up, uh, so growing up, I always had eyes on me, not in a negative way, but I was constantly in the face of the community. My dad had, is very well known, like as a musician around the uh, Long Island area. Growing up, I went to church in Brooklyn playing for different stuff that he would have and I would just be there as like the the son because at that time growing up my brothers as I mentioned they were already 11 and 9 when I was born so by the time that I actually really remember and grew up they were already off in college so so it was just me basically because by the time I turned 7 one of my brothers was already 18 going to school in Ohio so it was it was different. So by the time I can truly remember, and let's say when I'm nine years old, 10 years old, they're already out of the house. I have one brother that went to school up in Ohio and then another one that went to school out at Morehouse in Atlanta. Oh, wow. So it was um, basically always just myself, my dad and my mom. So you were kind of I, I I was fine with it. I did not feel pressured or anything like that. I remember um, being in the congregation, being a part of different Sunday schools and making new friends. I made really good friends at churches to this day. Um, two of my best friends I met when I was about eight or nine years old, and they're still my best friends to this day. So I've made really good connections within the church And I can thank the church because by me having those connections, I remember 
I've been playing piano since I was about four or five years old. I started with the violin about three or four. And then once I got into piano around four or five years old, I continued on and took lessons for about 10 years. Okay. After after the 10 years was up, like around, I was about 15 years old. I didn't really want to do lessons anymore. Right. I got really into the classical side of music. Okay. But I wanted to do something that I enjoyed, which was playing music, but also wanted to make somewhat of a career or make a little bit of money out of it. So I got into uh, being a substitute um, pianist for my church when I was in high school. Okay. And I remember there was one time I even substituted for my dad one day at his home church when he couldn't make it. So it was a lot of that. And I was exposed as being that musician and assisting. And I, I liked it. It was something, it was a nice little check for um, a few hours on a Sunday, you know? I didn't, so, know, I didn't know you yeah. got paid to be in the choir or to be oh, a choir yeah. substitute. I thought you to, were to, to, to teach. Be a mus- to be a director or a musician, time is taken out for practices, right. for um, learning the music, right. um, getting it all together and taking care of the audio. And there's a lot of back stuff to it that when I tell people that I play at a church and that it is a side hustle to make some extra money, they are surprised that like, wait, you, you get money for that? Yes. Anything um, that is in the church where it takes time, it takes practices, that it's, it's, it's a side hustle. And I feel that some people may say, well, how can you take money from the church? let's let's just let's just be completely honest and rare here that everything is a business amen amen the pastor is still needs to get still needs to put food on his plate right he's 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 doing everything he can from delivering the word and i'm not saying at all that anything is kind of falsified or he's feeling like well you know what um i'm I'm just gonna say whatever so i can make a check out of it no i don't think that's the case at all but i truly believe that you can enjoy what you do and make money at the same time i enjoy playing in the music i enjoy playing at churches and things like that i enjoy learning new songs and saying like oh that sounds good i wonder how that would sound with this person having this solo and then maybe this person comes in at this point and kind of rearranging the music the way that i want it right and being able to hear it on a Sunday or whenever and when it's all put together, it's amazing. Right now, as we have shifted for COVID-19, my church is still closed down. However, uh, we have now shifted to doing pre-recorded music. Right. So right. I will come into the church every other week with two other choir members and we will pre-record music, the audio and the visual, and then it's played on Sundays after. Nice. And it's really nice to see how, as we were mentioning about working from home, how we were able to adjust and now have music be on a live stream along with the preaching and try to put it all together in the comfort of everyone's home. So it is something where I'm very happy that we've been able to adjust ourselves with. Now, do you attend the service as well, like a virtual service? Or are you just like, okay, all right. Or you just like, all right, I did my job. Uh, I'm busy. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, because at the end of the day, 
yes, it is something where I enjoy that I can make some money off of. But looking at the bigger picture here, I also enjoy my church as well. I enjoy the ministry. I enjoy the preaching. I enjoy day-to-day interactions that I used to, not day-to-day, but the Sunday interactions I used to have. Right. So being able to see people on Facebook and say like, hey, good morning, good morning, um, great job. It's really nice to see you. And then every every month I'll go into the church to pick up communion and I'll get a chance to interact with a few people that I don't get to see as much. So it is something where I'm very happy that we've been able to update ourselves with, but not necessarily just stop. Yeah. I don't think, I think at times like this, in times of uncertainty, when you don't know what's going to be happening tomorrow, right? being able to go somewhere or log in to something where you can just take those kind of cares away, give yourself in and have that sort of faith to know that if this is only for a moment, Raiders coming. For example, my church has just really started to get into having this pre-recorded music just a few months ago. So, so oh, prior damn. to that, it was just someone would bring a phone and record the pastor preaching on Sunday, and then that was it. There was no engagement. There was no music. There was none of that additional extra that was going on. Damn. But by but piece by piece, we've been able to get better and better and adjust to what we need because we don't know how long this is going to be. Yes, the vaccine is out, but just as the COVID-19 started, how none of us saw that coming, right. anything could happen again. Sadly to say, but you just don't know. So you need to be able to adapt. We as humans got to, we have to do better at uniting, being on one accord, trying to think of what we can do on the long run to play devil's advocate instead of necessarily putting blame to the virus or this situation, whatever. All right. That's, yes, I get this is going on. I get this is the problem. Yes. But what are we doing to solve it? My personal pet peeve, I don't like to hear complaints without a solution. Yes. If you're going to say, well, this sucks, this is bad, da 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 all right, so what are we doing to solve it? Complaining about it isn't going to do anything. If anything, it's just going to get you even more agitated. I kind of have a thing that I do with myself, like when there's been something negative that has happened. I'll give myself maybe like five minutes to scream about how it's not fair and be angry about the situation. And then after those five minutes are up, I got to start coming up with solutions to the problem. And my personal thing that I typically will do is if I have something that's negative that happens to me, I ask myself two questions. Is there something I can do about it? Yes. If the answer is yes, then all right, then let's make it happen. Let's do something to fix the problem. If the answer is no, then my thing is, well, if there's nothing I can do about it, then why am I just sitting here sulking about it? That's true. Nothing's going to change from it. Exactly. I understand everyone needs to do what is best for their own mental health because people respond to different situations differently. That I completely understand and agree with. But but what works for me is what makes the most sense and what will make the best product. I wanted to just ask you... Uh, one other personal thing, because we've talked about it. You are a gay man, and I want to know what it's like to be a gay black man, and if you've had any problems. So my experiences 
probably would be a little bit more on the unique side. Oh. So I did not know that I was not straight until... Jeez. <laughs> <sighs> um, mm, let's say, let's get into the beginning of high school. Yeah, okay. Let's say get into the beginning of high school. Okay. Because um, I had a girlfriend back in middle school. And to this day, I'll even identify myself as bisexual. Okay. But I will say when it came to me and it came to coming out, it was it was different. To this day, I would say I'm, I've never really had a huge coming out moment. And, and I'll get into why in a little bit. But the thing about me was I never really told people or really felt comfortable to say anything until I was in college. Okay. And my boyfriend at the time gave me the ultimatum. Excuse me, sorry. Um, no, you're fine. Gave me the um, the option and the choice and saying, all right, well, we've been together for two months. Um, either you tell your family that you are not straight or I'm leaving. That was the option that was given to me. No, I was not ready to tell anyone, but it, Ugh, I didn't people, know that. That knew, people that knew me in college, they knew myself and my boyfriend. and um, We knew. So there was nothing really to hide there. Right. But as far as my family and friends in New York, there was no idea. There was nothing ever really communicated. So I remember going home. And I told my mother about it. Right. And my mother's reaction was in any sort of way negative. Okay. It, it was all concerned because at the time, thinking back into 2013, around that time period, there's a lot of hate crimes going on. Yes. There is a lot of just negativity in the world of how someone who can be Black and someone who is a part of the LGBT community can be treated. Right. So it was all in concern for my well-being. Right. It was never, um, I'm disappointed. I feel somewhat different towards you. That was never the case. She knew. And she knew. All mothers, good mothers know about their kids. Right. And then in regards to my father, to be honest, to this day, I have never had that specific conversation okay with him okay and not and same thing with um the rest of my family but it has never been something that i am scared of hiding but to me sexuality has never been a part of me that i necessarily felt as if i needed to come out for it is a detail about myself but it is not the complete myself uh the complete it's not something that makes me me exactly there's a lot of there's a lot of things that make me. I, I, my favorite color is blue, but I'm not shouting to the earth. Everyone, my favorite color is blue. Everyone, this is what I do for work. This, there's a lot of things that make me Kenshi. Right. And my sexuality is a small piece, a small portion. And even in my day-to-day -day life, my sexuality has nothing to do with my day-to-day -day operations. Exactly. From my job, from my side hustle, from my friends. It has nothing to do with any of that. Right. So I personally, me, has not ever had that point of saying, all right, well, everyone, here's the news about me. I'm coming out, da-da-da-da-da. That's just not, that's not, not the case. Right. So, and then in regards to my friends, that was probably the most nervous thing I've ever 
done, I think I actually came out to them around that same time. Right. But the same kind of thing. I did not have any negativity to this day. We'll laugh, we'll talk, we'll joke, and we'll have a good time. It has nothing to do exactly. with our friendship. It's a small detail. And if I were to really understand that being younger, that probably would have made me feel a lot more at ease. Right. But now, fast forwarding seven years after, I can truly say I'm, I'm comfortable with me. And I'm comfortable to say that there is a lot of parts of me sexuality is a small piece yes is it something that a lot of people suffer from negativity from friends family yes and my heart my devotion goes to people um, that have those negative experiences and it's something where i see it i know that it happens exactly i personally have not had any challenges let's say in the workplace from it because i let my work speak for itself like i've i've never have felt as if I I don't have conversations in regards to sexuality stuff at work because that's that's work it's I don't I leave my personal stuff to myself with right. my friends with my family right. you don't need to know about my day-to-day actions what you need to know is if I can submit this report get onto these emails and in my job as a recruiter get these people hired exactly. that is what's important to you exactly so I have not had any difficulties in the work in the workplace, in the work environment. Do I feel comfortable to say something if I wanted to? Sure, because thankfully I have a good boss. I have good coworkers, and I'm very thankful for that. But it's not something that I necessarily feel that I need to project to make it known because thankfully I can say I've never felt as if I needed to hide in a closet. I, I grew up in the theater environment. I've sang. I in high school. I got a ch- if I wanted to do something and be a part of it, I was supported by my friends and family. Exactly. So I oh, and because of that support, I never felt I needed to come out of a closet right. because I never felt as if I was in one. Does that make sense? Yes. Like I'll never forget. I was in an airport pre-COVID. I'm waiting on my flight, watching a basketball game, and this guy. We just started talking. And mm-hmm. I asked him, does he like sports? And he's like, ugh, I'm gay. And I said, I didn't ask you if you were gay. I asked you if you like sports, number one. Number two, you just made it sound like all gay men don't yeah, like sports. Is, that's a stereotype. You right. just marginalized everybody. So I'm just like, okay, cool. And I ended the conversation abruptly. I'm just like, Mm -hmm. okay, I don't like you. Well, I don't like that comment. I'm probably not going to like you. And I just ended it and kept watching the game. And I just got really angry. And I said, that's what's wrong with our society. We have had such a heavy podcast, not in a bad way, but like just getting to know you and uh, your insights and everything. You're an incredible person. Now, I will admit, I kind of, when we met in college, I'm like, he's either gay or very just flamboyant and (laughs) well-dressed. But did I say anything? I don't think so, because I'm like, well, that's not my business. But mm-hmm. uh, I do remember thinking, oh, he's probably gay, but <laughs> it's cool. I said, he dresses way better than I do. So if anything, I need to get tips from him. But <laughs> moving, like, to kind of, uh, not wrapping up, but kind of, I always like to lead into things that are uh, funny. Since 
we did go to college together. You are my only uh, guest. Well, like, we actually know each other outside of this. I wanted to see if we had any uh, funny stories between the two of us to kind of end it on a happy note. I remember you would be going around in your chair, and I think there was one time you did it. You had the song, You See Me Rolling, Jay Hayton. Yes! And, and that just made my life. <laughs> and I'll, I'll never forget, we were in the gym, and says, Chinese pull-up things. And I'm like, whatever. Do you remember me flying up with the thing? Cause I, I think so. Because I was too right at the time. That's not the case now. I'm glad you don't mm -hmm. see. But uh, I'm up there hanging, and instead of you, I mean, you guys got me down. But for a solid minute, you guys just sat there laughing. And I'm like, don't mind me just hanging up here. And... <laughs> I'm just like, what I said, get you a group of friends that will help you, but will laugh at you at the same time. Yep, and that's me. I will definitely laugh at you. If you, if someone, anyone, yes. um, laugh, if someone or anyone falls in front of me, they trip, I will bust out laughing at you. I, but, yes. But I will help you up. I remember you sent me a text once because I was over at Campus Heights. Campus Heights, for you guys listening, was an apartment complex off campus where all the parties would happen. It, oh, there were some interesting things that happened over there. Anyway, I got drunk, came back on campus, and I don't remember this, but you texted me the next day because I had crashed into a potted plant. And you... <laughs> See, you remember, and there was dirt on tracks, and you just text me with a picture, and you're like, this you? From the next day, and I said, no. And you're like, what other person on this campus is in a wheelchair? I'm like, I don't know, but it's not me. <laughs> and, you met, and you met me in the cafeteria that afternoon, and you're like, you want to, like, reclaim that story? I'm like, nope, there's someone else on campus in an electric wheelchair, and it is definitely not me. I guess so. Were you there the time was growing his pot plants in his room? Like, I walked in on him, and he's just snipping and clipping away. Like, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, shh, this is a very delicate process. And I'm like, you're growing weed in your uh, apartment dorm. He's like, yes. And it was just this whole, it's like, it needs the right amount of sun. It, it was pretty funny. And I just looked at it, looked at him and walked out. There was, for you guys listening, among our group of friends, there was a lot of just walking in and out of each other's apartments. And if we didn't like what we saw, we would just literally turn around and be like, see you later, and shut the door and walk out. Remember and called me and over to her apartment because apparently they had just done the dirty D. And like, like what we said earlier, what you do with your love life is your business. Like, I don't want to know, I don't need to know that you're having sex. Like, just, you can tell me, just say it was great, it was not so mm -hmm. great, and keep it at that. I don't want details, nor am I going to give you details about me. So, right. she's up there crying and screaming, and I'm like, damn, 
and by this time I was still a virgin and I'm like oh my god is it that bad like oh no <laughs> I find out that it was the first time that had done it and he didn't know that you kind of have to clean yourself up afterwards and right. her only issue was that he used her prayer cloth to do it because he didn't know. And I, oh. and, and it was kind of like just over on the side. And I'm like, so where's your towel? There was no difference between a towel and a prayer cloth. And I'm like, that's oh, not gosh. his fault. I'm like, why is your prayer cloth in the bathroom? Like, what is going on? Right, that doesn't belong there. Okay. I'm just sitting there dumbfounded and he's like, we need to leave. Like, you need to just handle this on your own. Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on, Jess. We're out of here. And I said, good luck with your prayer cloth. And we kind of left you there crying. And I'm like, <laughs> we were terrible. Were you there the day jumped in a bunch of bushes? I was not. And I used to like to make fun of him. We call him Mr. Jenkins because that was his last name. And he heard us screaming, Mr. Jenkins. He's coming out of the quad. And this guy decides to jump in a pile of bushes like we didn't try to hide from us like he didn't see <laughs> us and looks down she's like that did not just jump in a bunch of bushes yeah, he did. It, it, <laughs> and it was great thank you sh- so much Kenshi, for being on the podcast i hope that i can see you in person we'll have a wonderful day um you too. uh what are you up to for the rest of the day? Thank you.